Hi, this is Chris with the Sheepdog Church Security Academy, and this is your church security roll call. Today we have a special guest coming on. His name is Michael. He's from ARC, which is the American Reconstruction Concepts. And one of the primary focuses of his company, I guess is the best way to refer to it, is to train individuals and churches how to do the hands-on kind of stuff. So what I mean by that is this, firearms training, um, self-defense. You know, we all know that we can learn a great deal through podcasts. We can learn a great deal through online training. Of course, that's what I like to do. And um, But we, at some point, we got to get to the range. At some point, we have to have some sort of self-defense, hands-on training to assist us in the worst-case scenario, right? If we got to go hands-on with somebody, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want that the first time you've ever done that or the first time you've done it in, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We got to have some basic training. And so uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce Mike and you can uh, listen in on this conversation we had. Okay, so here we are. We're here with Michael and he's going to tell us about um, the, the company that he started, a little bit about himself and really the more important focus is we really want to talk about the specific training that uh, church safety teams should be looking for as far as firearms and self-defense techniques and all that kind of good stuff. So, Michael, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Chris. It's an honor to be on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you, you know, how, you know, what's your history? You know, what's your experience and how did you... Um, uh, start, uh, you, what the, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I should know this already, ARC, um, the American Recon, uh, Reconstruction Concepts. How did that yes, all start? Absolutely. So um, I would say that it's been, it's been founded in um, the blessings of God and a great um, rearing, being able to grow up in a Christian home and always going to church, and also with a uh, father that was passionate about self-defense, you know, protecting his family, uh, standing up for them, making sure that he had the skills to be able to protect his um, his own people, his, uh, his children, and then giving them the defense skills. Um, so as I was uh, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, specifically in, in a little known town of uh, Kamii, Idaho, uh, which if you haven't heard that, it doesn't surprise me at all. People who live right next door, they don't even know what town it is. And um, but it was a, it was a great childhood experience because he brought me up in mixed martial arts and defensive gunfighting. And I pretty well got immersed into the culture and um, just enjoyed every bit of it. And then whenever I, I grew up, I eventually found uh, the U.S. Air Force as a uh, the SEER specialist in particular, and they're based out of Fairchild, Spokane, Washington, which was a, uh, a huge blessing to be able to find. And uh, once I found it, I had already determined this is uh, my one of my great purposes in life is to help people with life-saving skills. So uh, I joined the Air Force with uh, a lot of great blessings from the Lord and uh, always was had good people around me, good Christian people, which, as you well know, it's it's not always the case in the military. There's sometimes it's few and far between, but um, I got to to roll with a lot of excellent Christian men, and uh, just found my passion there in helping translate life saving skills to people uh, in the military. And then just recently got out 
and uh, started up this LLC, which is American Reconstruction Concepts, like you mentioned. And uh, together with several other partners and trainers, we're helping provide some of those similar life-saving skills like we provide in uh, training in the military. Yeah, excellent. So you said you're, you you did SEER. How long did you do, the, do that? The last four years. Um, and for those that aren't aware, SEER specialist is it's actually the only uh, position that was created for training people in um, high risk of isolation. The other branches, they have that the same role where they have SEER school, but only the Air Force has created a um, AFSC or basically a designated role that has given you know years of training into it to be able to be a committed full-time dedicated instructor instead of you know having gone through the three-week course in the past and then raised your hand to be uh, somebody who volunteers to go there. And this is something that you can actually sign up for and uh, go to directly after boot camp, which uh, was the route that I took. Sure. And for people that aren't familiar with SEER, this is what I know. You correct me if I'm wrong. So my brother was a helicopter pilot and he went through SEER training because that assisted him should he crash on the wrong side of the 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 bad guy divide to was it escape uh you tell us what it is it's survival escape resistance and evasion so yes, sir. They keep themselves alive before um um until they're rescued right absolutely you're 100 percent correct so it stands for survival uh, evasion, resistance, and escape. So um, it, the purpose is for anyone who's high risk of isolation, if they're dropped behind enemy lines, how do they survive back there? And then how do they evade the enemy, which, as you well know, is, is a very difficult task in and of itself, like uh, stacked on top of survival. Now you have all these evasion skills that just make your life that much more difficult. And then, of course, some people have a very difficult time with that, even if they have the best training and a great will to survive inevitably some people are going to be picked up. So the resistance is resisting that interrogation, which is always a potential threat, whether you're in wartime or in a hostage scenario, or even in an unfriendly government situation, which we run into constantly around the world. Um, and then the escape portion. And um, a lot of those things are classified, but the uh, the great thing is that the survival portion is completely unclassed. It's it's been around for since the dawn of man, and I got to have the the great privilege of helping people and through a year long pipeline tech school surviving in and uh, freezing the native 50 degrees uh, up there in uh, igloos all the way to, you know, sand dunes and 110 plus degree heat with no water. It's like I got to experience it all. It was it was an amazing opportunity. And uh, I always enjoy helping people in that space. It's just a really brilliant time. So now that you're um, you know, with ARC, obviously, it looks like you're you're focused on a number of things, but you're also focused on churches and really helping them. How did that kind of, you know, obviously, you know, you talked about your your religious background, your Christian background. Um, was there any other thing that kind of brought you into that idea of taking the skills that you had to assist uh, safety ministries, safety team leaders with 
firearms, self-defense, all that kind of stuff? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, um, like I said, the, the main purpose for myself is helping people with life-saving skills and, and helping protectors stand in that space. <clears throat> so, um, I had the, the gun culture background where I grew up shooting weapons from all the way from zero out to uh, extreme target interdiction distances of like a mile out. And we had gun ranges that I, I basically lived on and had uh, almost endless opportunities. See, my dad was a doomsday prepper. And so when it came to stockpiling ammunition, like there was no shortage. And then we lived on a gun range. So sweet. I had a lot of ample opportunity there. And uh, by the time I was in my late teens, I was uh, aggressively getting into a lot of competition shooting and in and around that world and uh, started working into uh, almost like a, a part-time instructor, you know, and uh, range safety officer. And I just uh, really enjoyed that aspect to it. So then uh, fast forward a few years later outside of the military and, and towards the end of my uh, time there, um, I was going to church and found that there's uh, there's opportunity to serve and bring some of those skill sets into the, the ministry in terms of the safety team. And um, I found that a lot of the safety team members um, have their hearts absolutely made of gold. Just amazing people, you know, volunteering uh, for crazy shifts and, um, you know, getting absolutely zero compensation for it. They're just, you know, it's a ministry. It really is. And then, uh, but a lot of them don't have the background in training and in the firearms community. And so I found that there was a little bit of a void there that where I wanted to help out my brothers and sisters standing in that space so that they could do absolutely the best job possible. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things about the safety ministry is that, you know, there's there's so many things involved in it. And one of the the pieces that we can sometimes be undertrained in amongst any well, really training is a challenge across the board for all topics. But there's this there's this mechanical side, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the only way to learn how to be a good at shooting is by going to the range and shooting a lot. The only sure. way to learn how to use self-defense and protect yourself or, or control tactics or those types is by actually doing. And yes. so you're, you're, you're definitely filling that space. So how, how long have you been uh, training churches and really anyone in firearms and unarmed self or unarmed self-defense? Absolutely. Well, it's, it's coming up on around 10 years and then uh, last four years professionally in the military and, um, you know, taking that on as vocation. So I had the passion whenever I joined the military and I had some experience and Actually, even before I joined the military, on occasion, I would run empty hand self-defense classes. Sometimes I'd run those for ladies. Uh, sometimes it would just be a community or a church that reached out. And uh, other times I would, on occasion, be able to run handgun classes. And it was mostly by word of mouth. I wasn't actually, you know, a professional. I just had the passion. I had the interest. And then going into the military, not only learning those um, specific skill sets to the military, but also growing in empty hand um, self-defense and force on force techniques and uh, being able to fine tune and hone the skill of being able to deliver information in a way where people can receive it the best and really grow and expand and enjoy their time while they're taking that class. So um, yeah, it's it's been collectively close to 10 years, but then more professionally, the last four and really intensively, like I would be teaching every other day. And then I worked up into the 
position of uh, being able to help other trainers kind of grow and expand and rise through the ranks and just kind of be more in the background as like a trainer of those trainers. Yeah. So I like to get really super practical, you know, for the people that, you know, watch this program, listen to this program. And you well know that, you know, they're, you know, we're talking to the nation, right? So it's Alaska, Hawaii, and the lower 48. So what kind of, if you can, what kind Mm -hmm. of practical information would you give that the trainer of a safety team or, or, you know, the, you know, safety director, you know, Mm -hmm. when it comes to, maybe we should just first start with the firearms component. Like what wisdom could you offer that person um, that they could apply to their team over the next weeks, months, or a year to make sure that their team is trained and prepared Mm -hmm. for the possible use of a firearm. Absolutely. So uh, first of all, I would say that um, uh, in not similar to the military, you don't have trained people who it's their vocation and it's their full-time job to be in that position. So you have to work with what you've got, which means that you, you want to be encouraging to people who want to come and support. And you, you want to try to nurture them up and help grow the skills that they have and deliver to them the, the essentials of what they don't yet possess. Generally, I, I try to start off with uh, situational awareness and help them to be more aware, both uh, physically and also in the spirit. Because, uh, I mean, you know, as well as I do, Chris, that, you know, whenever we're we're in a place before the Lord and we're praying and we're asking the Lord for help and direction. He can he can highlight some things that we would have never noticed uh, without his help. So I believe that, you know, the closer we can walk with the Lord and, um, you know, be in that place where we're constantly listening and um, asking the Lord for direction and things, he's going to be able to provide those those opportunities to spot threats before they're actually ever in our face. So that's kind of where I start off with is trying to work with people's desire and um, encourage a standard. Like we have, we have a standard that's actually taken from like similar to the FBI handgun qualification. We try to promote that standard, and um, I've I've worked to try to be available for the team members because as soon as you set a date. Why that's that's the opportunity that, you know, everybody's aunt is coming to town and they got a family reunion and, oh, I can't make that because I'm working late. And, you know, if we have 15, 20 people, I've had to do the same presentation four or five times, you know, um, just having to to be available for people. Um, but, you know, the plus side of that is that presentation gets really good at the end. <laughs> so that's all right. Um, but. With that said, being available with them, encouraging them where they're at and trying to constantly grow and nurture. If you hold a hard uh, standard that everybody has to align themselves to, it can be a little bit daunting. And and do you start saying, hey, you can't operate in the space because you can't maintain this, um, you know, standard that I just put in place? No, you have to give people the time to grow into that and encourage them at every opportunity. So that's that's just what. I guess my limited experience in this space has found is trying to encourage people, trying to work with them, being available and offering a standard so that they know what to compare themselves with, where they need to be, you know, eventually and giving them a little bit of a roadmap to get there. For example, dry fire, um, you know, regular times at the range and 
set the expectation and try to try to get them as far down that road as he possibly can. I really like that. And there's been a lot of discussion in this in this space about uh, getting away from the, the general idea of annual qualification. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's more of a uh, that the safety team members um, demonstrate proficiency. Yes. So how is demonstrating proficiency, um, you know, described basically it can be different depending on who you're talking to. So I was, sure. you know, I was a cop and it was shooting, you know, it's 42 out of 50 that you had to fire. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the military, you know, there's qualification for the M16 and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And it, it was an annual qualification. This was the standard and you either met it or you didn't meet it. Mm-hmm. But because of people's different experiences, especially in the church space, it's, um, is, you know, you're going to have this wide range. If you have this hardcore standard, you might not have people that meet it, but they're still fairly good firers. A conversation oh, yes. that I say, you know, I've had with people is this. Okay, we, we see at the range, you did really well at these distances, but when we once we get further away, you know, that's when you started missing. So what mm-hmm. that tells you is this is if there's somebody that needs to, that you have to engage with the firearm, that tells me and you that you have to close the distance. And -hmm. now you know what your limitations are. Yes. So, you know, don't take that one in a million Hail Mary shot. Yes. You're not a very good shot. You're going to have to close the the distance and then engage. Mm -hmm. And and then we've seen all kinds of, you know, one of the things I've asked people said, no, we have to have a hardcore qualification is I'll tell them to say, so then your plan is, is if somebody misses it by one round, you're going to tell them that they can't carry anymore at church. That is yeah, that standard. That's definitely a no go. <laughs> yeah. And so it's not realistic. Yes. Yeah. I go out to the range and I say, Hey, this is what we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. This is what I'd like to see all of you get there. And if you don't get to this, we're going to have a plan to get you to this. Absolutely. But when it comes time for the when it comes time for the training roster and I write, OK, range on this date at this time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, annual proficiency, you know, then I'm writing down names. I'm saying, yes, 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 yes. Unless I got a guy who can't hit the broadside of the barn, then it's going to be like, well, maybe not, you know, and and they'll even agree with that conversation of, you know, maybe um, see what happened here. You know, maybe we need to keep, get you at the range on a regular basis to get you up to a standard. I mean, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts about that? No, I agree. Absolutely. And then also um, helping people work in their strength zones. So, uh, for example, sometimes we have um, older gentlemen that are not able, physically able to walk the beat and stand there uh, for the entire duration of two, three hours, whatever it is. But they're excellent at spotting potential problems uh, via the security camera. So we have them up there in that kind of bird's nest position. And um, they just communicate to us via the radio, still a very critical component of that security team. And um, we've also been accepted thing to have of some people that are just not quite there yet they don't have the confidence to be able to carry a weapon of course we're a huge proponent for that you know in that the case that that is needed but also looking at the majority of um you know conflict 
that security teams have with not a um threat. It's not the solution is not pulling your gun and doing one. So that situation, someone who's observant and um, you know, deal with uh the escalation and and be uh kind but blunt when they need to and um operate together with that team until the point that they are comfortable. Yeah, we're we're very accepting of helping people get there, you know, not having too high of expectations. And like you said, having a plan for them to reach that point so that we're not just leaving them behind and saying, you know what, it's all right if you never grow. No, it's like, yes, you need to grow, but guess what? We're gonna we're gonna try our best to help you to get there. And that's across the board, not just shooting skills, but also like um the equipment that goes along with it. You know, the, the holsters, the sizing the gun to the person, the ammunition selection, the medical skills that go with that um you know communications via radio and all all of the above wherever we can we're trying to help people that have already raised their hand and have the courage to be able to stand up and sacrifice for people which kind of brings on to the next topic and that's the unarmed self-defense um tactics you know uh, a little bit about what kind of what kind of things you train people to do and i'm sure gauging people's skill level and ability, physical ability is a big part of it. Yes, sir. So um, the uh, the principle-based system that I'm a huge advocate for is um, called target-focused training. And uh, the neat thing about that one is that it's a principle-based system. It is, uh, it's very helpful for people that uh, don't have the time to become a black belt in any martial art. It's literally just using the principles of, um, you know, against anybody who's wishing them uh, great or lethal harm. So it's, it's not at all based on people's speed or strength or uh, skill. It's just helping them do the bare minimum of exactly what they need to do to be able to stop a threat. And um, so that's typically this, the system that I found that has the most success. Um, and like I say, it's a principle-based system. It's not reserved to techniques where you have to memorize 410 different moves. It's literally just uh, showing people the breakdown of how people can be uh, hurt and damaged and how they can stop them from being a lethal harm. So it it builds a lot of confidence in people. We just ran a couple of courses recently, and um, it was it was great to see even young ladies um, just just shining, just so happy that they got to be in this course. And now they have the confidence to be able to chop down a bigger, faster, stronger aggressor. Um, it, it, if they ever did meet them on the wrong day, you know what I mean? It was, it's, it's confidence building. It's, it gives them, uh, gives them joy to be able to, um, to be able to jump into those circumstances. And then was, uh, particularly dangerous. I at least know a few things that are going to be extremely effective and I'm going to be uh, effective with just my bare hands. So um, I think that's a crucial part of anybody's self-defense skill set is uh, almost like my friend told me back in the day, he was, he was a mentor. He'd been in martial arts all his life. And he said, um, you know, if you're not dangerous in the shower, you're undertrained. So just being able to use yourself and not have to always rely on weapons. And uh, like, I like to tell people, you know, you, you are the weapon, whatever you're holding in your hand, that's just the tool. And as soon as you realize that, then, 
um, you understand how you can potentially stand in the gap regardless of the situation. And you don't have to have a full mag. You don't have to have, you know, a bludgeoning tool or a knife or any of the mace, all the rest of it. It's, it's simply you and your will with a little bit of knowledge. That's all you need. I'm thinking about that. You are the weapon. Anything in your hand is just a tool. Yes, sir. I, I, re I really like that. You should copyright that. Um, <laughs> I love it. You are the weapon. Anything in your hand is just a tool. That's 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 great. It's basically the methodology of the target focus training system that we advocate. And it was actually the reason why its founder, a guy named Tim Larkin, who is a Navy SEAL, was banned from the UK. They said, like, hey, we don't allow dangerous weapons. And also you, buddy, like you can't even come into our country. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's kind of funny. It sounds like there's some some overlap there with um, Krav Maga a little bit. It's very similar in the way that it's being expressed. The only major difference is that uh, Krav Maga has uh, specific skill sets that are um, taught in the way of technique and not necessarily in the form of principle. So um, where they would say, here's a particular uh, solution to this problem set. Um, we're a little bit different in saying, hey, here are the principles to success and you can play them out any which way that seemed the most obvious and easiest for you to apply in the moment. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, sir. You know, one of the, as you're kind of talking, it kind of, um, it's, it sounded a little bit similar to what I've told people is, you know, when you're bringing in an outside instructor to teach, you know, your team, some basic self-defense skills and those kind of things is mm -hmm. I'll tell them it's better to know five things really well than 30 yep. things, just barely, you know, just barely grasp 30 things. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, it, it was a similar idea conveyed by Bruce Lee, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, just a little bit biased there, but he said that, you know, I fear not the man who's practiced 30,000 kicks. I fear the man who's, who's uh, practiced one kick 30,000 times. And it's it's just the simplicity of, you know, knowing what you're capable of doing and not trying to make it more complicated than it needs to be. So let me throw you a curveball here on this self-defense stuff. Yes, sir. So a lot of our teams are people of older age. Yes. Uh, very old. Some of them, well, I don't want to say very old because that's all – Depends on where you're standing, if somebody's old or not. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure if I'm if I'm lucky to be 90, I'm sure I'll, I'll think of myself as a young man. Um, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, people with limited physical capabilities, um, mm -hmm. you know, what are you, you know, what would you say to people that know they have limitations? Um, you know, can they can they learn? Can they learn to defend themselves hand-to-hand? -hand? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it only takes 15 pounds of pressure, if applied correctly, to break someone's bone. It's, uh, it's a little-known fact that if you know how to apply yourself, it doesn't take a whole lot. And, um, you know, I don't care how tough you are. If you get your eyes gouged by a grandma who's 90 years old, uh, your eyes are still going to close. They're going to water. And that's going to give you a moment in time um 
for that grandma to do the next thing, whether it's whack you with her cane in the side of the neck or, you know, a purse to uh, the groin. I'm just saying that there's a lot of options on the table whenever people open up their eyes to exactly how easy it is to hurt the human body. Um, something that we practice very, very slowly and we don't even do the full movement is actually the ear cup or uh, ear slap where you're forming your hand to uh, almost like if you were holding water and then you press it uh, quickly and just slap the side of the ear. Well, that column of pressure that is condensed by your hand cupped and going to the ear is more than enough to disrupt and actually rupture that eardrum. And that alone is going to, again, give that person the opportunity to do the next thing that they want to you, whether it's pull the rug out from under you, you know, throw a knee at and a leg or whatever they need to do, elbow to the side of the neck, solar plexus. There's so many options on the table. And really, if you're over 100 pounds and you have the intent to be able to carry it out, which comes down to the will to survive. It's how bad do you want it? Um, there's been a lot of case studies where that's exactly that all that's required. A little bit of knowledge applied correctly, a massive amount of intent. And if you weigh over 100 pounds, you've got the body weight to be able to make it connect. So I'm hearing that people that might think of themselves as physically limited, and maybe they are in fact physically limited, there's mm -hmm. a lot more that they can learn to do than they might even imagine. hundred percent. Absolutely. And without relying on, you know, existential tools, otherwise known as weapons, you know, uh, they don't need to have those things in their hands. Um, we've seen uh, time and time again, different uh, test cases where people have been attacked and they feared for their lives and there was absolutely a case for a, a lethal threat and they they fought to stop the threat in the most simple brutal effective way and it, the fight's over you know almost before it begins and the great thing is actually that the psychological advantage of people that would uh, often be seen as a target by a predator or those weaker individuals in society is that they're not going to be expecting a fight, you know, um, if uh, so, I'll use my grandma for a quick example, because my grandma is such a kick in the pants over 91 years old. She's still splitting firewood. She's still uh, building fires and and just doing outside chores. And she, she's really a hoot. And um, I tell you what, if she had a mind to just wreck somebody's world with a little bit of knowledge, she'd be able to do it. It's just it doesn't take a whole lot um, as long as you're applying yourself effectively. And that's really like the crux of the system is uh, getting that little bit of knowledge to make your yourself as effective as if you had a tool or a weapon in your hand. The other thing I mentioned to people is this is you may not have a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be that person with, you know, limited physical capabilities, but if you're attacked, you know, you don't get to pick that. And yes. so it's always better to have something than nothing. Exactly. And, and uh, it starts in the mentality. And so that's really why with uh, American reconstruction concepts, our, our mission statement is to help people it's to help responsible people and first responders with life-saving mentality, skills, and tactics. So the mentality is, is fundamental. It's baseline. And a lot of times that's where we see most 
um, good citizens in the U.S. have the most difficult time is having the mentality of being committed to stop some uh, a threat. Uh, there's been cases of people, you know, pulling out their guns, having the drop on the bad guy, and they can't pull the trigger because they don't have it. They haven't crossed that bridge in their own mind. Um, and that's that's very detrimental to them. It's It never ends up well. Uh, very sad cases, but that mentality is crucial. The tactic side of the house is um, very important, too, because if you even if you're the most accomplished in your space, be that with a handgun, with a knife, with your bare hands, whatever that is, and you're applying the wrong tactic, um, you may end up losing. And that's why we say that tactics trump skills. I don't know if you're a follower of uh, John Lovell, where you post society at all. But I'll give him a shout out because that's where I learned that particular saying from tactics, Trump skills. So if you're applying yourself with the right um, solution to the battlefield problem or the problem set at hand, that's more important than being the fastest shot, um, the, the the highest speed, most precise shooter on the gun range. It's it's literally it's almost like in Proverbs where it says that a wise man sees the trouble ahead and hides himself, um, you know, the best thing is to see something in a problem taking place where you avoid it. But as security members, you can't always do that. But what you can do is you can see it far enough in advance to give yourself the uh, extra warning or the different pre-event cues so that you're ahead of that power curve. And even if you're slower on the draw than whoever else you're going up against, if you're applying the right tactic, you can still ahead get out on the other side of the game as the winner. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, there's a general that said, uh, and I, I'm not going to remember who the general was, but kind of in the same vein a little bit, is a good plan executed now is better than a perfect plan later. And really yes. what it comes down to, it's about the sooner you can react to what's going on in even a good way as opposed to a perfect way is is always going to be better than... Hard. Yeah, then this, you know, you might be the best shot in the world, but if uh, if you're the, or they might, the bad guy could be the best shot in the world, but you got good tactics and you're executing them and you're taking action, um, you can eliminate their better skill set. Yes. And that's, that's really what our goal is, is to help people cut down their reaction time, and, uh, improve their mentality. And then give them the best winning cutting edge tactics in that sector and then add to their skills. So <clears throat> that's that's really the crux of it. And that's why we offer the self-defense classes and also the handgun classes. So um, that's that's really our focus, especially for security members. Yeah. So tell us a little bit. So the people in the Pacific Northwest um, that want to train with you and learn by you. How would they get a hold of you? How do they schedule this kind of stuff? Or, you know, do you have regular classes or how do you how do you do all this stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, we have been running regular classes almost every weekend, actually. And uh, we're based out of Spokane, but it's very centrally located. And the way we designed the business is to be able to offer those trainings to people anywhere within the Pacific Northwest, basically within driving range of several hours, we can, if if somebody wants a class and they're not within the Spokane region, it's just too far for them to 
drive. Um, but they can they can check out our schedule. They'll see what's happening on our website. Um, but if they're further out and it's like, man, I can't get myself and all my buddies, like our security team isn't going to drive from Missoula, Montana to Spokane, Washington for a day course, you know, um, well, then that's when uh, myself and our other instructor cadre will run down there and we can present any of the classes that we offer. So pretty much it's a pretty simple rule If yourself and four other people or a minimum of five uh, want any of the classes that we offer, then they can reach out to us. And if you have the facility that's going to be ample for that, and we have all of these qualifiers and, um, you know, what we need to conduct a class correctly is on the website under courses, um, then they can just request that. So if you have five people schedule it, then uh, we're more than willing to work with them and then uh, set up our schedule accordingly. Okay. So let me throw the ridiculous curveball against, you know, to, to you. Okay, yes. so somebody in Hawaii, Alaska, or Florida gives you a call. Um, <laughs> I, I assume you are. Are you are you going out to them, or are you directing them towards a local provider? So um, I'm glad you you, you mentioned that <laughs> because yeah, um, in all likelihood, we would not be uh, flying out there. Um, so that's really where. I would just encourage them for like the guidelines of a, a quality in-person instructor, someone who's passionate, who cares, who's able to present the information well, and you know that the information is verified and it's cutting edge. You're not you're not having somebody who's teaching you uh, 1980s tactics in the 2020s. So um, pretty much besides that, we are currently working on launching several online courses and that's um, helping them with the handgun portion, with the empty hand combatives, literally with every class that we offer, we're working on a digital space uh, presentation so that people can walk through those skills, work with their other training partners or family members and utilize that to be able to train themselves up. They're not launched yet, but they will be coming out soon. Sure. Good to know. Good to know. So yes, I'm going to give you, well, uh, the second to the last word. Is there anything else that you would like to say? I mean, right now you're talking to probably about 10,000 sheepdogs from every state in the union. You know, yes, what, do you have any final thoughts or for them? I would just recommend to each and every one of them that they stay vigilant. Um, that they um, stay in prayer, that they keep their skills up, and that they do their best to be like Gideon's 300, um, who maintain good situational awareness. And even though there were 10,000 who stood up and said, I'm ready to go, and were actually fearless, um, there was only 300 that God specifically utilized to win about one of the greatest victories in, in uh, battlefield history. And um, to be able to maintain that posture, both in the spirit and physical. And um, also, like, just just uh, a good reminder for everyone that as men, we want to be those protectors. We want to be those guys in the space getting the work done. Um, that uh, we want to make sure that we're checking our egos and walking humbly with the Lord. And how important that is. Because God resists the proud and he helps the humble and Micah reminds us in 6, 8 that you know, what is required of us except to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And really, if we're carrying the option every day, 
we're leaving the results up to the Lord and we're doing it the best that we can. Um, walking humbly with him is going to be key and he's going to win the victory. We just have to remember that uh, we're the willing instrument, but he's the one that gets the results. So um, I just want to applaud everybody in that space. I understand it's a sacrifice. Keep up the good work and keep trusting the Lord because faith does move mountains. And he is always our stronghold, our fortress, and the one in whom we can place all our trust. All right. Excellent. Mike, thank you so much time for talking with me today and talking to uh, the sheepdogs out there about firearms proficiency and about the unarmed self-defense and just really the importance of this calling. So thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate what you're doing. Great job, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was great conversation. I'm so glad that you were here today and you were able to sit in on that conversation. I do ask that if you like this um, video, please like, share, comment. Go over to um, Mike's uh, website. Uh, We'll have it down in the description. Check him out and uh, see if you uh, if you want to have further conversations with him maybe get some training uh, from him if you're in the pacific northwest um, that's kind of his target area Um, other than that thank you so much for being here today and hey let's be careful out there this program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice